Aloha and welcome to the Jeff Reinbold Show. And today is a special one because we're getting close to Christmas, so we got an extra special show, a little Christmas gift for all you quarterback aficionados out there. We're going to talk quarterback with one of the best quarterback coaches in the national in the history of the National Football League, Marty Morningwick. But first, I got my Irish buddy Michael on, and Mike, I want to I want to congratulate you as the hardest working man in football because you're doing gridiron. You got your own, you launched your own thing at NFL Ireland, the Pro Football Ireland show. And, you know, tell, tell us what's going on with you, big timer. Big timer. I don't sleep anymore, Jeff, uh, which is great. And yeah, it's all good luck. Full steam ahead to Arizona. What we're like, what it's hard to believe. We're like, what, nine weeks out. I look forward to sharing a coffee with you in the desert and uh, appreciate your support. I appreciate everyone's support, and hopefully you can get over here soon as well. Well, exactly. Tell us what, again, don't dodge questions when I'm when I'm grilling you on the show, Mike. Tell us about your new venture. It's, yeah, like, so I, I left the Irish NFL show and obviously wish those lads nothing but the very, very best of success down the stretch. It's been an incredible run. Wanted to do something different, focus on college football, local football, the NFL, but also wanted to sort of test myself and see, what I can do in the Irish, UK, European market. So we're, we're, we're looking at the NFL in, the, in, in a different way where we bring and we look across some different storylines where they may not be like weak relevant. So for example, at the moment, we were looking at the, at the, the Titans relying too much on Derrick Henry, di- different topics. So yeah, it's um, it, it's pretty cool, Jeff. I'm excited. It's, 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 it's obviously a big year for us over here. we got Notre Dame Navy next year. It could be a big game in 2024 as well. So just just, just trying to look at it outside the 16 to 18 week NFL window and look at the sport here because I know you know more than anybody because you were in Dublin uh, at the end of December last year or at the start of January this year you you know how much the game is growing the, the Rooney family recently invested in an event with uh, American Football Ireland so it's grown over here at a big pace and I think we will and deserve to have a game at some point so that's why I jumped into the deep end because why not you know have to keep it exciting Anything that helps grow the game, I'm all for. And again, you know, I'm a big fan of your work. And you know, as as more as you get more and more, it pulls you away from us a little bit. But hey, as long as you, as long as you, we get you once a week, that's that's okay by me. Hey, uh, today, Mike, we have a guy that I have known as a player, and I had an opportunity to to uh, not coach him directly, but I was on a on coaching staff when he was playing for us at the University of Montana. And then after he played uh, his senior year, he started his coaching journey. I'm going to get into that, but I'd like to welcome to the show right now uh, one of the best offensive coordinators, most successful offensive coordinators and quarterback coaches in NFL history. His name is Marty Morningwig. Marty, welcome to the show. Jeff Reinbold, let's turn it up a little bit. What do we have going today? First of all, Merry Christmas to everybody. Enjoy the holidays. You know, Jeff, one thing I always thought is we don't celebrate enough. We don't celebrate the individual. We don't celebrate the team enough because you come off of a win, right? It's right on to the next game. And looking back at playing and coaching, I wish – I would have celebrated just this much more. Well, I tell you, Marty, I'll go back. I'm not telling any stories about you in college, but I know you had 
you and Cluey celebrated a little bit in the Mo Club, and but we'll leave those uh, stories back in Missoula, Montana. Well, I'm just counting those things. I, 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 how did you know any of that, anyways? We hid it from everybody. Well, I, I think I was in the next room. I'm that's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> hey, hey, I want to go. I want to unpack your coaching journey, your football journey, because it's really a unique one, and you know. It's interesting, Marty, as I was prepping for the show, I went back in and, you know, it, it reminded me of some things that, you know, I had kind of forgot. You as a high school player in San Jose, California, played for a future NFL coach in Mike Holmgren at Oak Grove High School. Yep. And that was the, the, that was the start of your football journey. You went to the University of Montana. You're an All-American uh, big sky champion quarterback, probably the greatest quarterback in the history of the University of Montana. And um, now you're back doing color for the Grizzlies on their yeah. on their television show. But listen, fans, to this to this resume. All right. Wide receivers at Montana in 1985, graduate assistant at UTEP in 1986 and 1987, where you met Andy Reid. You went to the, be the running back coach at NAU. You were the offensive coordinator at Southeast Missouri State for three seasons. O-line and tight ends coach at Mizzou under Bob Stull. Offensive coordinator at NAU. Then you became the quality control guy with the Packers in 96. Offensive coordinator quarterbacks 49ers 97 to 2000. Head coach of the Lions for two seasons. Senior assistant at the Eagles. Assistant head coach at the Eagles. Offensive coordinator and assistant head coach at the Eagles from 06 to 12. Offensive coordinator with Rex Ryan and the Jets, 2013 and 14. Offensive coordinator with the Ravens, 2016 and to 2018. And then 2020, you spent as a senior offensive consultant for the Eagles. You've been a Big Sky champion, an Arena Bowl champion as a player, a Super Bowl champion, and Pro Football Writers of America in 2010 named Marty Morningwig the NFL Assistant Coach of the Year. That's a pretty good resume, man, man. That's a lot of years, Jeff. Now I'm, I'm relaxing just a little bit. I've played a little bit more golf than I ever had. I, I've got two boys that are coaching. So I got to two uh, of their, their games each. Uh, one's at Columbia in the Ivy League, and then one's up there in, in, in Helena at Carroll College. And he coaches the tight ends, and Sky coaches the quarterbacks there at Columbia. So and then I do a couple radio shows. I do a, a, a couple sessions every week with the 33rd team. You can look that up on, on the website. And, and then, like you said, I did the color for the Grizz on TV, the Montana Grizzlies. And I had a blast with that. I did seven conference games and had a blast. I didn't know if I would like it or not, but uh, I had a blast. And it was good to get back into the thing at the University of Montana with the Grizzly football team. Marty, uh, there are a lot of guys that have had a lot of success in coaching that have coached some great players, but fans, I want you to listen to this, all right? Marty has worked with Brett Favre, Steve Young, Jeff Garcia, Donovan McNabb, Michael Vick, every one a Pro Bowl quarterback. You've produced... By my count, Marty, that's five pro bowlers at the position that you've worked at. That is a phenomenal, phenomenal number. 
Well, then uh, the great Geno Smith, who's hitting it pretty good with Seattle. Uh, you know, I had him as a rookie in New York. And then, and then the great Lamar Jackson and Joe Flacco in Baltimore. And then, and then Jalen Hurts as a rookie in Philadelphia. So I stay in contact with most of the fellas. Uh, they're all doing really well. I'm very proud of all of them uh, because football is not, not the end all. It is for your career, right? Uh, I mean, I always thought that my family was my first responsibility and then a close second, whatever organization I was working for. And that was about it, Jeff. You know it's sort of 24-7 for seven or eight months uh, when you're in it uh, coaching the ball the ball game of uh, that we call football. Marty, you know, I want to go into the quarterback position because, you know, as the, just from my standpoint, from my viewpoint, I don't know of another position in sport that is harder to play at a high level requires incredible athleticism, decision-making, uh, I mean, toughness, determination, perseverance, grit, all the things that make a great athlete, the quarterback has to do on a down-by-down, down, you know, I, 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 every down is a critical down for the quarterback. You don't get downs off. There's no, yeah. no way to take a play off at quarterback. Yeah. In your well, opinion... In your opinion, how much of it is the mental and how much of it is the physical? It's Great all encompassing, right? It's all encompassing. The quarterback position, you could debate, is the most important position in all of sports, right? But because of some of the things you said. And then, really, what are the, what are the most important aspects of playing quarterback at a high level in the National Football League? Decision-making, accuracy, and timing. And uh, we could talk for hours about those things. And then gut instincts come into play big and trust your training, trust your instincts, and then you have to turn it loose game time. And, then, and so how do you get to that point where your decision-making and accuracy and timing and your trust in your instincts? I will tell you, it's talent mixed with excellent coaching methods and teaching methods. And then Jeff, Years and years of hard work. And that's just the way it is. Marty, you know, the, the position has kind of undergone a metamorphosis, a change. You know, the, the, the old drop back guy that stand in the pocket, Dan Fouts, no mobility, but, you know, again, still had the accuracy, still had the arm strength, still had all of those things. But the position has now changed. You look at the young guys today, and I'm talking about Patrick Mahomes and Herbert and Josh Allen and Jalen Hurts and Lamar Jackson. All are athletes in addition to being great throwers of the football. How much, well, in your yeah. opinion, has that, has that really been a metamorphosis of the player or is the offensive system now different? Well, it's all encompassing. However, if you go back, right, the great Joe Namath was a great athlete uh, in high school and, and at Alabama. And then he got his knees wrecked and became more of a pocket passer in the NFL. The great Steve Young that I got to coach and, and to some aspect, Brett Favre, great, tremendous athlete. Steve Young was really fast, tremendous athlete. And 
is what happens in the NFL is within that first three or four years of your career, you better become a heck of a pocket passer because you just can't withstand all of those hits that you're going to accumulate during a season or during, during a, 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 a career, your whole career. It just isn't going to happen. And then you get a little ankle or a little knee or a little hip, and then there goes your athleticism. So you better become a really good pocket passer. I remember when uh, we were forced to go with, with Lamar Jackson. Joe Flacco got a hip, and it was going to be at least six weeks. We had seven games left, and we go six and one with the great Lamar Jackson uh, in his first starts playing at quarterback and, and uh, uh, play directly to the strengths of the young quarterbacks. And so, so that's what we did. But my biggest concern was he played seven games at quarterback. He had a left ankle and a right shoulder problem, you know, going into the playoffs. Just every, even when they're small hits, they pull at you from playing the quarterback position at a high level. My biggest concern was when we went, when we went with Lamar was we're going to be fine. We're going to put some points up on the board unless we get into too many third and seven pluses. Right. Right. Too many uh, drop back type of scenarios. Right. Just because he wasn't quite ready for that. And then when you go with a young quarterback, I've had a lot of rookie quarterbacks. Uh, Jeff Garcia. Now he was coming out of the Canadian League, but Nick Foles and, and Geno Smith and Lamar and and and, and Jalen. Right. So when they're rookies, you're kidding yourself if you think you're going to be as good situationally. Let's say down in the red zone, short yardage, backed up, goal line, third down, right? All those situations. So you better game plan directly to the quarterback's strengths. We all have strengths and weaknesses, right? So forget about his weaknesses for the time being because this game's important, right? So right. play directly to his strengths. And what does that do? That gives that young quarterback a little bit better chance of success, right? And then, so what does that do to the offense? Oh, we're, we've got the ability possibly to score a few more points. And then so, so ultimately, what does that do for the team? It's a little bit better opportunity of winning the ball game. Play directly to his strengths. Now, after that ball game with the young quarterbacks, you play directly to his strengths, right? So then you better stay one step ahead of your opponent as you're going, as, as you're going forward because now they've got film on the man. Now they know they're accumulating information and they know what his strengths are. So they're going to try to stymie his strengths. So you better stay at least one step ahead of your opponent with a young quarterback. You know, I think one of the things that's been impressive about the Eagles this season, and there are a lot of reasons why I like the Eagles, you know, and they're 12-1 football team and all that. But Marty, I think Sirianni has done an outstanding job of doing exactly what you just talked about accentuating the positives that Jalen Hurts brings to that football team and structures his offense to accentuate those positives. Yeah, now, that's a, that's a great point because if you remember in his first year, uh, the, the coach's first year, right, he had Jalen going into his second year. And at midseason, they were like two games under 500. They weren't very good. And then he learned, right? He learned, that whole staff learned. And then they started playing directly to Jalen's strengths. And it's rare 
that they've lost a game since, right? That's a heck of a well-built team, right? Howie Roseman has done a fantastic job, right? So uh, they're as good on the road as they are at home because they've got a heck of a defense. They've got some good special teams players. And then they've got a decent run game to go along with Jalen Hurts running and passing ability. Hey, now, I, I got I, if I didn't ask you to tell a few stories while we're doing this, I'd be really remiss and I'd be cheating our, our listeners and our viewers. But, Marty, you went with Mike to Green Bay and you had a wild stallion of a, of a quarterback in Brett Favre. And we've all seen some of the little clips on NFL Network where it was almost like that high school basketball player where, where you go, don't shoot, don't shoot. Oh, nice shot, right? It just, he was, he didn't play as much inside the offense as he was. What was it like dealing with that every single day coaching that guy? Oh, it was awesome. Brett's one of the great players ever to play the quarterback position. He's one of the great leaders. You talk about tough. You mentioned toughness. All the great quarterbacks I've ever coached, tough, 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 both mentally and physically. And Brett was one of those guys. He could elevate the play of everybody around him. Uh, uh, when I took over the quarterbacks there, when Mariucci left in 1995 to go to Cal, and I took the quarterbacks over. I just, I, I, it was very simple. Uh, Brett, all the crazy plays, let's minimize those. Let, let, let's get them down to single digits. And he's going, what do you mean all the crazy plays? When you're back there going front door, back door, back to front, the ball's going all over the place. Let's just minimize those. He goes, how many did I have? I said, he had like 21, right? And, and he had a hell of a year. You know, he went eight and eight, eight and eight, eight and eight, right? And then he hit it in 95, I believe, and then 96, and then he never stopped hitting it. Uh, but uh, so he, you don't want to take the creativity away from a creative quarterback because that, that's one of their positives, right? But you want to minimize the damage that you're doing to your own team and maximize the damage you're doing to your opponent. So if you can corral it just a little bit, and then all of a sudden, we win the Super Bowl of the 96 year, and he had eight, which I would call, it's a little subjective, crazy play. So he went from 21 to eight, but he still utilized all his creative ability, uh, which equals big plays on, on many occasions. And he was a fantastic player, fantastic guy, and uh, one of my funnest guys to coach. Uh, he was one of those guys mentally that go, tell me how you want it done. I'll try to do it exactly that way. Give me the ball and let's roll. That was his mentality. Marty, uh, now can this, now he has, he has said this and I just find it absolutely astounding if it's true, but he said that they were sitting in a quarterback meeting when he first got to green Bay. And they were talking about, they were looking at the defensive structure that they were going to play against. And the coach said, hey, this is the nickel, right? And he whispered over to Ty Detmer and said, what's a nickel? Can that be he didn't know what the nickel back was? Oh, that's true. And Ty goes, well, it's, it's a DB coming in for the W 
the will linebacker. <clears throat> and Brett goes, oh, that's all? You know, so <laughs> look at Brett. Brett knew everything. He could visualize. He could see and feel things that others couldn't. But but uh, details he didn't have. And, 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 and when Brett and I were getting to know each other, I go, Brett, it was awesome. You, you got to play for your dad in high school. You know, a lot of quarterbacks in the NFL – you know, their dads are high school coaches or ex-college players or ex-NFL players, and they grew up with it, right? So their environment was critical uh, to their development. Uh, they're six, eight, ten years old, and they're they're with their dad down at the gym every day, you know? So that environment. But he goes, he goes, Marty, my dad was a heck of a coach, but he didn't know how to throw the ball. And I'm going, what, are you kidding me? He, he's a high school coach. He goes, no, you want to know what, what? What our past game was, he goes, time out, Brett, come over, everybody come over, Brett, drop back, scramble around and throw it deep, you know, Jack, run a go route. I mean, that was their passing game. So, so he wasn't all that heavily recruited. <clears throat> and then Southern Miss came in sort of at the, at the, at the end of recruiting. And that's how he ended up at Southern Miss because he just didn't throw the ball much in high school. And then, and then, of course, hit it at Southern Miss, had some huge wins there. And this man had a big, big arm. All right. Now, that's a great segue, Marty, because Patrick Mahomes, arguably one of the tops in the game right now, or the top quarterback in the game right now, big, big arm, right? Legendary big arm. But interesting that he grew up the son of a major league baseball player, and I think one of the reasons why, as a young player, it wasn't too big for him was exactly what you talked about, where he's around elite athletes and elite, pre elite preparation and pressure games and all of those things from the time he's a very, very small boy. Yeah, and these young kids grow up, if their dad's a high school coach or a major league baseball player or a, or a college coach, right, they grow up. And they're looking now, those kids, I, I tell the players that I coach, don't underestimate, right? Your influence on young kids, because they are looking at you, right? And, and they're looking at you when the times are tough, especially, right? How are you going to be remembered by these young kids when the bleep hits the fan, right? Yeah. Now, 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 and I tell the fellows, when the bleep hits the fan, there's no need of uh, going and cleaning the fan off, because it's going to hit it again. Right. So so those young kids are looking. And so they see more. Right. They've been in locker rooms. Uh, they, they've been in pro locker rooms. They've been around some of the great players in the game. So nothing surprises them. Right. No, they they've seen other guys handle those critical situations on many occasions. And you're right. I think I think the environment is a big part of a young man's uh, evolution into becoming a great player. Now, you have to have a certain amount of talent as well. And it's an excess amount of talent, really. All right, let's, I want to do this, Marty. I want to go through some guys, and I just want you to take a, a couple sentences to describe in your mind as a quarterback guy who's worked with the best that ever played, where, where you think they are right now and where their strengths and, and where you would like to see them grow. If you were coaching them, you'd say, hey, listen, this is an area you talked about when you had Brett, you talked about, hey, we got to eliminate those disaster plays, those crazy plays, you call them, right? So I'm going to start at the top with Patrick Mahomes. 
What are you kidding me? Patrick Mahomes is there. He's won a Super Bowl. He, he's breaking world record. Great leader. The most talented guy. I mean, there's some really talented guys. But this man's instincts, we talked a little bit about instincts earlier, right? He sees and feels, much like Brett Favre, uh, things that normal people don't. Uh, it's just that simple. And then he's got the big arm. He's typically a really good decision maker, right? Throws the ball with accuracy, understands timing, and then trusts his instincts. He's big on trusting his instincts. The one thing that I saw, uh, he lost a little bit uh, in the playoff game against Buffalo, right? When he was moving and grooving, he lost just a little bit of, of that discipline uh, when he's moving. When players move, when quarterbacks move, you've got to keep your discipline. And there's some basic rules. And then there's some rules within the rules a little bit, right? When you're moving and grooving. And so he was uh, taking sacks when he shouldn't have. He was, you know, the ball was uh, uh, flying all over the place. And that was just for about a half of that game. And, and they ended up losing the game. So, so keep your discipline when moving. All right. Now, the, the quote book says, if you're going to beat the Chiefs, you got to hold the ball. You can't give them, you can't give them opportunities. You got to run the ball, yada, yada, yada. But also, it seems like, as I, as I watch it, they are, you are getting a lot more double zone, a lot more cover for trying to make him stay underneath with the football and not give up those big chunk chunk throws is it do you do you see him playing with more patience this year in his decision making and not trying to force the ball up the field as much right so offensively you've got to have this mentality we expect big plays but we don't rely on them because there are some schematics right some teams that will just take the big plays away from you and make you run the ball, make you throw it in under all those things and go down the field systematically. Right. So, uh, and, and one scheme is a soft Tampa two, right. That they see quite a little bit and, and they've been through it now because teams did that to them a couple of years ago and they came out of the gate and they struggled just a little bit. They got back to the running game. They got back to the ball control pass game and then they took off. And then, and then is what that does is that makes the defenses come out of that Tampa to the soft stuff to stop the run, to stop the underneath ball control type passes. And, and that's what happens. So they've been through it with Patrick Mahomes. So I don't see maybe one particular game might hit him in the face, but I don't see that being a problem long-term. All right, Marty, let's go to another guy that really, really talented young guy and, you know, I, I, I feel for him a little bit because I think he gets hit way too much. But Justin Herbert with the Chargers. Yeah, Justin, I, I know this man. Uh, his dad played at Montana when I was playing. He was younger than me just by a year or two, just for the fall, I believe. And then, and then he went to track and then, and then, and then he went into construction. Uh, but what a great athlete his dad was. I mean, I remember talking to him. He was, he was quite a bit younger than me, but I thought this guy was ultra talented. And, and so uh, it doesn't surprise me that his son has this much talent. He's got to accumulate some, some reps now, and he, he's got some under his belt. And then going forward, as he accumulates 
and has some failures, right? It's difficult to become great without having some failures. And as long as you learn from them, and I would tell the fellows that I'm coaching, okay, that right there on film never happens again. So if you go through some failures and those those things never happen again, now all of a sudden you're playing at a, at a high level on a real consistent basis. And that's what Herbert needs to do, is just gaining some experience, learning from the failures, and then at some point he's going to be at a high level playing consistently. All right. Now this guy, yeah, I mean, this is an amazing story, really. And, you know, I, I've, I've listened to quarterback coaches say a lot of times, Number one factor they want is accuracy. Number two is decision-making, right? And I did a study on this kid when he was coming out of the University of Wyoming. And not one time, Marty, not one time in his entire football career, right? Not in high school, not in junior college, and not at the University of Wyoming did he pass for 60% completion percentage. But yet now in the National Football League, he's tearing it up. And I think Brian Dable deserves a lot of the credit for that. But, you know, Josh Allen, not recruited out of high school, walks on in junior college in Northern California, gets one scholarship offer after writing a thousand letters across the country looking for a chance. And now he's turned into an elite level quarterback. Talk about talk about Josh Allen. Josh Allen, I had very, very high. And the the I I would probably say most people were split on him because of what you said. I have decision-making number one, because here's the deal. If a man can make good, quick decisions, and generally speaking, right, he's got a chance to play. A man that is a poor decision-maker, you have zero chance of playing at a high level. And then accuracy comes into play. And the reason I have accuracy as number two is because there's a select few. There's not many, but there's a select few who can overcome just a little bit of inaccuracy because of something else. Deep balls down the field would be one. Their athleticism and their playmaking ability, they can overcome a couple of inaccuracies a game. And, and you could imagine the, the players that have played and, and are playing now. And then the timing aspect. Every, every, every time you go up a level, that timing uh, comes into play because some of these college quarterbacks coming out they may have never seen, or maybe once a year have seen a corner that they see every week in the NFL that can plant and drive like these guys playing, or a linebacker that runs four or five or better in zone, breaking on balls, the windows are tighter. That's why the speed of the game uh, hurts some quarterbacks' development. It, it, sometimes it takes uh, months or even years for some quarterbacks. Other quarterbacks kind of seamlessly transition, and the speed of the game doesn't bother them. But getting back uh, to the man from Buffalo, Allen, right? So we're, we're in a meeting and no quarterback has done anything that hasn't completed at least 60% at some point during his college career. And I'm going, uh, that's bull. How far did we go back? Remember, I coached the great Brett Favre. Brett Favre reminded me a little bit of Josh Allen. If, if this man and accuracy, right? That's, that's a really important component. And, and, and look, you go on the film, and I loved him. I loved his athleticism, his big arm. He could make all the throws. But on occasion, he'd throw an easy one in the dirt, 
<laughs> or sail it 10 feet over a receiver's head. And great quarterbacks rarely miss the easy ones. Poor quarterbacks miss the easy ones on a regular basis. And, and it doesn't go on for very long because if you miss too many easy ones, it sucks the energy out of not only the offense, but the whole football team, right? So, so but, but if, if you can get his accuracy to a consistent level, and I'm talking Josh Allen, I thought that was a big challenge for him, right? But I've seen it happen many times. Everybody gets better with their accuracy, right? Once they get into the NFL, just because of the literally thousands of reps, right? All right. Some only get this much better. Some make a big jump and then they make a small jump and a small jump. So sometimes it's three tier, right? That's what Josh Allen has been able to accomplish. He rarely misses an easy one nowadays. So you take that with all his talent, his decision-making, his instincts, his athleticism, and you've got one of the great quarterbacks in the NFL. All right, here's a guy that is really blossomed, right? We talked a little bit about Sirianni and what he did for him, structuring his offense around his talents. But a guy you had as a rookie in Philadelphia, Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts, let me tell you, I'm, now I'm biased towards Jalen because we became pretty close. You know, it was COVID, you had the masks. And so it, it was, you know, a lot of one-on-one -on -one type. Uh, and that, that was basically my assignment is to train our rookie quarterback. And, and so we became pretty close. Now, Jalen, you talked about uh, environment. <clears throat> Excuse me, Jeff. First of all, the man is ultra talented, right? Second, he grew up. His dad was a high school head coach. Okay? This man is diligent. He will not let anybody outwork him. He's in the offices till 11, 12 o'clock at night, right? Before games, Saturday night, on the road <clears throat> or at home, he's in the film room. Oh, 11 o'clock at night. I'd be going, hey, bud, you probably need to get some sleep. Ah, sleep is secondary. I got to make sure I'm prepared. That's the way the man operates. He's built to play quarterback in the National Football League. All right. Another guy who they say ain't built to play quarterback in the National Football League because they said he can't throw. They said he's not, you know, his body won't take the punishment. He's not your classic technique thrower there's a lot of a lot of people that's questioned whether he would ever be a starter in the national football league but he's turned into one of the great players in the league at this time bet on himself in free agency i had a chance to see him live this this year marty uh, against the saints and it's amazing how the great ones the really really great ones you had this ability as a player uh, you watch michael jordan do it kobe do it when the game is on the line and his team needs a play, he finds a way to make that play. And I watched the Ravens in three-minute offense at the end of the game. Just let him take the game over. They put the ball in his hands and let him win the game for him. And, and damned if he didn't. But talk about Lamar Jackson. Well, all the great quarterbacks, right? Your biggest concern is not giving them enough opportunities to win the game right you've got to give your great quarterback as long as you have a great quarterback enough opportunities 
right? He might make a mistake or two that bite you in the butt every now and then. But as long as you give him enough opportunities throughout the game, you will typically win the game. Now, I'm really biased towards the great Lamar Jackson as well. You know, he's in Baltimore in part, I think, because of my evaluation. I had him huge high. Many people didn't think he could play quarterback. And I remember in the evaluation meetings, I'm going, yeah, I hear it, that this man could play another position. He could probably play a whole host of different positions. That's how special the man is. But why would you ever do that? Because this man has quarterback skills and quarterback instincts. The biggest challenge was, is he going to be able to throw the ball well enough? He doesn't have to be the pure passer that uh, Peyton Manning is, right? But well enough. And my answer was absolutely yes. Get him on this football team because he's going to be a hellacious quarterback. It will look different, right? It will look different because you got to do some of the college run game and the read options and RPOs and all those things. All right. Now, this guy has been an absolute lightning rod uh, since he came in the league. Um, you know, he's a local kid, a Hawaiian kid from St. Louis High School. Went to Alabama, won a national championship at Alabama, and, you know, drafted, some say too high, some say he wasn't big enough, there was concerns about an injury, uh, did he have enough arm, all of those things. Talk about Tua Tonga-Vailoa. Yeah, Tua, my biggest concern with him, he, he played the quarterback position at a high level, right? Talented young man. A little bit undersized, but that doesn't bother me. I mean, most of the guys I've coached, Mike Vick, 5'11", Steve Young, maybe six foot, six foot and a half. Brett was 6'2", you know, on and on. McNabb, 6'2", you know, <clears throat> uh, Lamar, 6'2", uh, uh, Jalen, 6'1". You, you know, so the, the size doesn't bother me. You throw in lanes anyway. So the biggest concern I had with Tua was that hip injury. That was a major, major hip injury, and he had had other injuries as well. So keeping him healthy in the National Football League where it gets messy, right? Uh, some guys are built to play the game, right? They just stay healthy more than others at every position, but certainly the quarterback position. So that was my biggest concern. I am not surprised that he has lit it up just a little bit, because of his skill and ability, uh, a smart, instinctual type player, understands timing. Now, this guy understands timing. Uh, accurate passer of the football. Uh, but I'm still a little concerned uh, about his health stay healthy. in the I'm National Football League. You know, he's been knocked out once or twice, you know, all those things. The, the hip, I'm sure, is still with him to some extent. So... Uh, as, uh, but as long as he stays healthy, he's going to be one of the top quarterbacks in the National Football League. You know, Marty, every time I see him at the podium after a game and he's got his cutoff T-shirt on, I just look at him and say, how in the world does this guy, does this guy take the hits? Because you, you know, because you took them. And, you know, those, are, those things are, they leave, a, they, leave, they leave a mark. They leave a yeah. physical mark and they leave an emotional mark. Hey, we got some questions from some people. Uh, and uh, so I, I want I want to we'll 
Richard Moorcroft from York in the United Kingdom has a question or comment about Tua. He said, I'm a fan apologist of Tua, but has yours or Marty's opinion of him changed since the start of the season or over the last two games where he struggled? Well, no. I, the guy, as long as he stays healthy, he's going to be a high-level quarterback. Now, <clears throat> you're going to have some ups and downs, especially when you're young, right? Some of the great quarterbacks will lay a big A in the middle of the 50-yard line, maybe once a year, right, where, where they throw two or three picks and, and they go back to the house and those type of things. <laughs> so it doesn't surprise me that Tua has done well. And uh, once again, as long as he stays healthy, he'll be one of the top quarterbacks. All right. Robert Irvin from Hana in Kanapali on Maui has a take here. He says, here's the deal. I want Marcus Mariota to come to UH, coach up the Warriors a bit, then return to Oregon and help the quarterbacks spread the word, he says. Do you think Marcus is done? I know he, he walked, out, walked away from the Falcons. Do you think he's, his career is over, Marty? I, I don't know that, but, but that's a good plan for him right there. <laughs> you just said. Yeah. But, but, but well, listen, I remember you, you talked about <clears throat> my career when I was a GA. I was still desperately trying to play. I mean, your careers are so short that I, I always uh, try, try to suggest to the fellas, uh, play as long as you can. You'll know when it's time. And usually it's physically uh, uh, to, to, to retire. Uh, it surprises me that the man sort of walked out. Uh, so we'll see in probably the upcoming next couple of weeks uh, what his mentality is uh, and if he can get that thing back. There is a time where a player sort of loses his stinger, right? Uh, and, and because, because it is all football right? It has to be, uh, to be any good at all. The, the, the time, the effort, the preparation, uh, and, and the hard work, it, there is no substitute to, for that, uh, to win a game, any game in the NFL. So if he doesn't have that, then what you were saying with the plan that one of the listeners, uh, has might be a good, uh, option right there. You know, Marty, that's, that's what, that's the, to me, that's the most impressive thing about Brady. The fact that you are at the age and as long as he's played and as much success as he's had, the will to prepare, the sacrifices, the personal sacrifices that you have to make. And fans don't have any idea how, how much is involved in this whole thing. But for right. him to do that at his age after all that success, because you know this, the success flu can get you, right? Yeah. You have... It's, it makes it harder to get back and do all that work and spend all that time, right? So I think I that's, a, that's a great I learned that I learned that from the great Steve Young. When I was coaching him, <clears throat> he was one of the great quarterbacks, had one of the great years in the NFL. We led the league in uh, passing and rushing in the same year. I believe that was 19 and 98. And he was aging just a little bit. But he said, Marty, you got to give me something new every day. I can't stop learning. Once I stop learning, I'm done. So keep it fresh for me. Give me something new on a daily basis so I can continue to learn. And the game changes, right? The game evolves and it's kind of cyclic just a little bit. So you, 
even the aging quarterbacks are learning new things each and every week. All right. Nate from the big Island says, <laughs> he says, what's wrong with my Raiders and what in the hell is going on with Derek Carr? Yeah. New coach, right? Right. Quarterback that can really throw the football. And it looks like at times during the year that they kind of were close to getting that thing meshed up just a little bit. And sometimes it takes uh, a, a preseason and the coach and the quarterback and the rest of the team are all on the same page. It looks like they're fractured just a little bit at times. And then at other times, it looks like they got to go. So sometimes it takes a few months, maybe a whole year <clears throat> uh, to, to, to get on the same page and get that thing clicking and well-oiled uh, because some of it's just philosophy, right? Within a singular play, what are the expectations and how do you go about your business on this play, let alone a whole game? What the coach's expectations are for that quarterback, what the quarterback expectations are for himself, uh, all the audibles, all of those things go into it. So it looks like it's been a drawn out, just a little bit of a drawn out process for the Oakland Raiders. Hey, Marty, it has been an absolute blast. Every time I get a chance to visit with you, it's always fun. And from all of us, a Merry Christmas to you and your family. And thank you, thank you for coming on the show. We'd love to have you on again real soon. Merry Christmas to all the listeners. Let's rock and roll. <laughs> thank you, Marty.